And the first thing that we realized when she came back to her senses is she no longer had any idea of who I was, her only son. She couldn't recognize me. I'm Caroline Lavallee, and you're listening to The Beat, a podcast by Heart and Stroke with support from our generous donors. Thanks for listening. Now let's get into the episode. When a parent has a stroke, heart attack, or cardiac event, the emotional and physical impacts hit the whole family. It can be even more devastating for children, especially young ones. They may not fully understand what's happened or know how to cope with a blizzard of feelings. And in some cases, they have to grow up fast, helping to care for their parent. We're going to hear a first-hand account of what it's like to be the child of a parent who had a life-changing health crisis. And we'll get eye-opening advice from a social worker who supports children through such challenging times. Stéphane Megan was leading the life of an average seven-year-old, growing up in Montreal with his single mother. Then tragedy struck. While they were sitting in a car together, his 28-year-old mom had a stroke, and their lives were suddenly changed forever. She spent an entire year in hospital recovering. When she returned home, Stefan wasn't an average kid anymore. I became the man of the house, if you will, when I was seven years old. Because she didn't have a boyfriend or husband. I didn't have brothers or sisters. So the cooking, I started learning quite young. A few times per week, we'd have caregivers that would come at home and help with her bath and, and sometimes with the bathroom. But I was the main caregiver when I was at home. Children like Stefan can be hit by emotions, from fear to anger and more. And sometimes, those feelings can come out in challenging behavior. With all of this happening at a very young age, was very, very sad. It was very difficult, and I had to try to learn to process it, but I wasn't equipped. I didn't have the tools. I wasn't necessarily seeing like therapists or psychologists that could help me process. I wish I did because it was extremely difficult. It was difficult for my mom as well. All in all, I got expelled from four different schools. I was sent to Juvie Detention Center when I was 14 years old. Different homes, different families, different schools for years. I was a delinquent and I wasn't doing well at all. Here's Émilie Potier-Tessier, a social worker who works with children experiencing the serious illness or death of a parent or loved one. It happens sometimes that we are seeing a child who are acting out, but it's important to not see only the, uh, the habit. I like to ask to the kids, to the children, just Tell me, how can I help you? You know, and sometimes we are just looking at the habits, at the action, at the acting out. And when we are talking about the needs, what is difficult for them or what changes they want to see in their lives, we are more able to help them. 
It is important for children to talk about what has happened to their parent. We may shy away from those conversations, hoping that what they don't know won't hurt them. But that's not the case. There are still many taboos and myths in society regarding the needs of children who lives with a parent who has a medical condition like a heart attack or stroke. We still hear a lot that children don't understand that they don't have any needs and we focus on adults. It is important not to leave the child in the dark. Uh, we can inform about the impacts of the heart attack or stroke. We can explain the impact on their loved one and help them understand. The more we leave a child in the dark, the more we create a taboo. This taboo is harmful for the child and it creates stress because when we don't understand, we can suppose a lot of things. Some children don't want to know everything. When a, a child wants to know, it's important to give him uh, information because when we don't know, we are supposing a lot of things. A lot of anxiety can be uh, created by that. Like adults, it's easy for children to imagine the worst-case scenario, which will only cause more fear and anxiety. So it's important to be open and honest. But how does the child's age come into play? Depending on the age, you may need to use like a, a visual aid to help them understand. For example, showing a picture of the human body to explain how the heart works helps a young child's understanding. The age of the child influences the level in understanding. We must use different tools to support understanding with the youngest. For a teenager, it will be easier to understand how the body works. Self-image is very important. In some cases, we can see a sense of shame in teenagers, a sense of shame that is present in teenagers with a parent who has impairments. When a parent experiences a serious medical event, a child can take on adult responsibilities that can be quite a burden. The experts call this parentification. So when the parents has impairments, parentification can happen. Parentification is when a child becomes the parent of its parent. He can then play this role to help the parent who is experiencing limitation or consequences that prevent him from functioning as before. This is not the case in all situations, but it is a possibility. When a child is parentified, it can put a lot of pressure and stress on him. So we can see behavior problem in that case. So for a child to become the primary caregiver and helping out financially and physically with someone that has gone through difficulties physically like this, like a stroke, to me is not how it should be, obviously, because it's very difficult. But personally, I did it. Very young, I had to start going around the city. I had a paper route. And so I'd get up at quarter to five and I'd go and deliver the newspapers and go and collect the money every Monday night. And so that was a bit extra income for my family because my mom could not work. Stefan's mother was diagnosed with aphasia while in the hospital. 
a language disorder that leaves the affected person unable to effectively communicate. Some of the exercises that she had to go through, for example, initially, we would show her cue cards with, let's say, a banana, and we'd want her to just pronounce the name banana, but she couldn't. She'd say house, and then we'd show her a house, and then she'd say dog. I became the number one interpreter in the family. Many places I would go, usually a child would not go to those places with their parents, meaning anything that had to do with the government or work or, or some errands that she had to do. But I had to go because she could not communicate to the people. Instead of words, Stefan and his mother used body language to communicate. I became really, really good at reading body language. She couldn't say much, so she would try to say something and I'd have to guess. And she would point at things and I'd try to guess. And so later on in life, she was able to speak a little bit more, but very often we had to complete or finish her sentences. She knew what she wanted to say, but simply just would not come out necessarily. To help the communication, many tools can be used, like pictures, a sign. You know, I see family that using a sign like, okay, I need to talk. It can be uh, the writing too. You can write if it's uh, possible. So... The best is to explore these means and to find the means that is uh, working for this family. There's a uh, very uh, many ways to uh, help the communication, but every family works differently. So it's important to go with uh, what is the best means for them. And then there may be financial worries, something that can be stressful for both parent and child. What was difficult was the fact that financially, we no longer had an income. So we had to depend on social assistance or welfare, which was just a few hundred dollars per month back then. Today, I would wish that either the government or folks around could gather and help out financially because it's very difficult for a mom to do what she needs to do as a mom for her child that goes to school and so on, or, or bring in caregivers if she or he cannot afford it. So ideally, I would think that more help, physical help to help with the errands and, and the home and cleaning and baths and so on, that would definitely help a lot, as well as having professionals on the psychological side, but financially too, it's very difficult when you want to do things and get better and you don't have access to the funds that you need in order to hire some help. I think financial problem can be something that is uh, not impossible in this situation. So it can be a lot of stress for the parent. Sometimes we, we will see the child that will age very quickly in this situation because there is only one parent, so you don't have any choice. For many children in this situation, professional support is the best option. Consulting a, a professional when uh, going through this type uh, of situation can allow the child to uh, normalize his reaction, his emotion, and leave the child uh, a safe space to talk about his experience. Uh, so professional counseling can also help him or her find strategies to adapt new reality. Better understanding what is happening to him or her is a potential effect. 
instance, the service offer is different depending on where you live. I suggest people to ask their family doctor or the doctor who treats the parent to get the right information on the services available uh, in their area. But the social worker can help, psychologists, schools can help. So we can see if there's any professional at schools too. It can be a, a safe space for a child to go see a professional in the school directly too. So uh, there's a, a lot of uh, support there available. Uh, for sure, there are waiting lists, but it's uh, it's important to ask help when you think you needed it. Both Stéphane and Emilie would want a child going through this situation to know that they need to take time for themselves. So if I spoke to a child who's going through this, what I went through, I'd say, buddy, hang in there. You have to take care of yourself. You have to remember that you matter. Your mom or your dad needs you, yes, but take care of numero uno, meaning you can't just always be giving care to other people. You have to care for yourself as well. And that's a trap that happens, I guess, for most people. I know it happened to me where you put yourself last because you're always with the mindset that you need to do something. You're, you're the only person around that can help. So you always have to put your mom first and help her out, which is fine, but you cannot forget yourself. So first, hang in there. This too shall pass. Yes, make sure you do all that you can to help your mom or your dad. They absolutely need you more than ever right now. But do not forget yourself. For a child to continue to live his life as a child is to allow him to continue his activities as much as possible. To continue to invest in what makes him feel good. His life is not like before, but it is possible to have a, a satisfying life despite everything. We must encourage him to pursue his project and passions so that he can see that he is able to learn to live with his new reality. Thankfully, Stefan was able to shift his mindset about his situation and get his life back on a better track. So things started to change. I turned things around. I was older, in my early 20s, when I started reading a lot of books. Anything that I could get my hands on with regards to personal development, psychology, mindset, thinking. And that's when I realized that I was not necessarily what happened to me. Because as a kid, I had developed an identity to that person who's poor, unfortunate, and so on. So I had developed a very strong belief system attached to that identity. But early 20s, I started realizing that, hey, you know what? Things happened and they're not pleasant. It's very unfortunate, but you are not necessarily what happened to you. And I started learning also and developing a new lexicon. So, for example, instead of saying, well, my life is this way because my mom paralyzed, then I shifted my mindset to despite my mom paralyzing, I still managed to do this While it was incredibly challenging to live through his mother's stroke, today Stefan sees how her courage influenced the adult he became. If I had what she had, I don't know how I would have handled it, but the way she did at 28 years old, being a single mom, having a young seven-year-old son, 
that knowing that she's fully, fully, heavily handicapped and limited physically and mentally and still brave through life and do all that she does, I am extremely impressed. Heart disease and stroke often turn a family's world upside down. When a parent becomes ill, the effects on a child can be devastating. Providing a safe space for children to talk about their emotions and how they have been affected by the event can help prevent situations where the child experiences parentification, behavioral issues, and more. If you'd like more information on heart disease or stroke, please go to heartandstroke.ca and enter support in the search bar. Thank you, Stéphane, for sharing your story. And thank you, Émilie, for offering your expertise. Thanks for listening to The Beat. And a special thanks to our donors for making this podcast possible. I hope you'll take away some valuable insights from today's episode, and maybe you'll be inspired to join a community that's determined to beat heart disease and stroke. Subscribe now to stay informed, get inspired, and rediscover hope. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast so we can reach even more listeners. Stay tuned for our next episode. Until next time, I'm Caroline Lavallée.